Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast. The Podcast. Where we discuss everything you need to know and perhaps some things you don't about how to fail forward in young adult ministry. These monthly podcasts discuss culture topics, interview guests, cover books, and rift on anything else that we feel like is relevant. Hello, my name is Kenny. I live in the Boise, Idaho area where I'm the volunteer director with my local church, Young Adult Ministry. And I'm Chris in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm on staff with University Christian Fellowship as a church engagement catalyst and the National Coordinator for Campus Mission, which is an outreach of the Church of the Nazarene to college and university students. And I'm Jeremy in Nashville, Tennessee, where I serve as the university pastor and community engagement pastor at Trebekah Community Church. And, and here, here we, we go. Here we go. Go. Well, hey, it's good to be together. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. What's new with you, Jeremy? Tell us about um, your preaching escapades. How's the family doing? What's up? Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. At, at the time of recording this, it was two Sundays ago that I got the opportunity to preach at our church and get to the opportunity to do that um, every like four or five months. I guess maybe a little bit longer than that. And um it was, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Like I en- always enjoy the opportunity to get to, to preach. It's one of those things that's simultaneously life-giving and um, like exhausting at the same time. Um, not that I get nervous getting in front of people, but the gravity of, you know, speaking uh, on behalf of God and out of the word of God. Uh, the the gravity that comes with that. So it was, I I I really enjoyed it. I was able to incorporate uh, a joke about Tom Brady into the sermon, and um, I got a good amount of uh, laughs from that. I was talking about how there, like a storytelling device that would have been used during that time with Jesus uh, lived um, when talking about the story of the Good Samaritan is that. Um, he would have been saying when he was talking about like the priest, the Levite, they would have expected the third one to be Israelite. And so when he says Samaritan, it throws them off. I said, and it just wasn't that it was different. It was completely antithetical and the exact opposite. So instead of like with the whole, with um, the Trinity being father, son, and Holy spirit, it would be like father, son, and Tom Brady, someone the complete opposite of anything like Jesus and got a good amount of laughs and booze from that. Um, our worship pastor is a big Tom Brady fan. And um, so that was, that was fun. That was, uh, I really appreciated that opportunity to, to get to preach. The last time I preached was back in January when I was the only pastoral staff member, not in quarantine or sick with COVID. Yeah. And that was just a weird Sunday. Cause I got asked last minute and also did just about everything else because um, there were so many people um, out. So this was a, a much different experience, but had that. We also, um, seven weeks ago, uh, welcomed our third little kid into the world, entering the the team of five that you guys both have experience with Welcome. and um, enjoying all the beauty of that and the exhaustion of that. <laughs> um, it's been it's been going good. My wife, Ritu, has been doing awesome. Our daughter, Kavya, uh, 
is like growing well, actually sleeping pretty well for the most part, uh, but just kind of that balancing, taking, being able to spend time with like each kid and like drinking lots of coffee to compensate for the lack of sleep is, uh, is good. So life's been good, uh, fulfilling, uh, and exhausting in the midst of all of that. Yeah. And that makes me think, um, Deb and I actually spent the first 12, uh, first 12 years as a family of four. Well, I should rephrase that. So my daughter was 12 when we had our third. So, um, and then the last 10 years. So we've had three, three kids, family of five. Um, but we were a four, a four there for a little while, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely changes the game. Or single, single child parents. dress up last night. I saw a couple of trick or treating. Yeah, we, we went trick or treating. We, we dressed up in a little pumpkin, like it was a little onesie, uh, our daughter Kavia in like a pumpkin and ghost thing, but we didn't take her out because it was kind of chilly. And uh, so I took the two older ones. One was uh, Zane dressed up as Quasi, which is a pirate cat from the TV show Octonauts. It's like an undersea, underwater version of Paw Patrol, where it's a team of different characters mm-hmm. helping save the world and uh, that kind of stuff. And then uh, our daughter Ruby, who's two, dressed up as Elsa. But anytime anyone's like, oh, who are you? She said, I'm let it go. And <laughs> that's how she yeah. identified as a, as a princess. Who are you? Like let it go. Let it go. So the first house we went up to, uh, they're like, here, you can take one piece and or take one or two pieces. And Zane put his hand in, got two, like got ones that he wanted. And then Ruby just walked up and just took a whole handful of like 10 pieces and like went to drop them in. And I was like, oh, no, 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 we got to put some back, which was really sad because it was my favorite candy, which is Hershey's Cookies and Cream, that I had to have her put back into the basket, uh, knowing that the one piece that did drop into her bucket was going to get eaten by me after bedtime. Uh, <laughs> we, we let them do where they could eat as much candy as they wanted when we got back. Let them get it all out. Um, I kind of get sick of it. And so they each ate like four or five pieces. And luckily, they left some of the pieces that I wanted. It was weird where like, they would pick stuff based off of like colors where like Ruby as a two-year-old was like, Ooh, this one. And like grabbed a thing of milk duds. I was like, that's, I don't think you're going to like that. Also, I know that I don't like that. So can we, put that, <laughs> can we put that back and get a Reese's cup? Such a nice bright yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved enforcing the dad tax. Yeah. That's always good. Yeah. It's, so, you know, I don't want them to have too much sugar. So that was picked out a few good. after they were, to bed. Um, one of the other like life updates for us is that my wife Ritu is starting an MBA program this week. And oh. so that also getting two of the kids out of the house and going trick-or-treating for like an hour and a half gave her time to start working on her homework uh, in a slightly less chaotic environment. So oh. she's starting that this week and in the midst of, you know, a few other things like welcoming a child into the world but she's on maternity leave so that's she's got some time on her hands take advantage of a little little bit of a break there yeah awesome um well we sent so my kids well one my oldest is gone she's in los angeles for a little getaway trip um and and then my next one 18 she just finished high school jackie she wanted to take 
Josiah and his buddy, who they're both 10, he, she wanted to chaperone them and take them out. So she dressed up as like Trinity from the Matrix, even though I don't think she's ever watched it. But um, and uh, yeah, so Deb and I sat in the driveway and gave out some candy. And then, uh, um, but I always love, we live in a little cul-de-sac that's not well lighted. So about the time it gets dark, people just stop coming down our little, you know, street, which is fine because I don't want to sit out there the whole two hours anyway and I don't candy but um it's fun to you know I was letting kids just like hey one hand as much as you can grab go for it because I knew if they didn't start taking more candy I'd have a lot left over and I'm trying to eat keto here for a couple of weeks so uh no no Halloween candy for me um but yeah life is life is okay here recovering from various injuries <laughs> and just recovering from turning 50, I think, still. Um, <laughs> How do you recover but, from uh, that? <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's see. Anything else really interesting? I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot going on. But um, yeah, keto, trying to drop some weight. Since I can't do cardio, I can't go hiking or running or do much of anything right now i'm like okay how can i lose weight by eating as much fat and um you know spinach and a little bit of uh, protein so <laughs> keto's keto's working well I dropped a few pounds but only 35 to go so. yeah why 35 yeah. what's the goal i mean is it just a weight goal or is there i weigh about so I started at about 215. I would like to get down 175, 180 is like my really feel good weight. Um, if I want to run or be real active. So I'm, I'm shooting to get back down to 180 or below. That was my best marathon running weight back in the day was about 175. Um, not that I really plan on any more marathons, but I'd yeah, like me to neither. Just, I'd like I'm, to just, I'm not even going to start. I'd like to know I could go for, you know, a three or five mile run, you know, twice a week, whenever, you know, or something like that. So, um, but we'll see. That's only if the knee, you know, completely recuperates. Yeah. Do that first things first. That's about it here. I got to take a little road trip. Um, Steve Prophet, uh, his funeral and stuff there in uh, Springfield, Missouri, one of our Nazarene legends of campus ministry. Yeah, he um, is. He, uh, he finally lost that two-year battle with the myeloma amyloidosis stuff he was dealing with. Mm. Um, but that road that turned into a longer road trip. I was able to meet with a few people and just be out on the road. And um, so there was some cool stuff about that. I've got a trip to a navigators conference for some every campus stuff coming up in November. So it's a good excuse to go to Destin, Florida for a couple of days and suffer for the cause um yeah yeah so some finally it feels like some travel and some normalcy is coming back to my, my campus ministry world so that's good so that calendar on your on your email update i was like awesome like he's able to plan stuff out here and like he's going got i got a schedule revving that was cool yeah dustin florida chicago maybe the dominican republic in january we'll see wow so huh Kenny, anything well, else, man? It, yeah, well, I mean, just brief, 
brief life update things over the last it's you know we went a whole month without podcasting together guys and it's because of all the things that have been shared um uh but since then um i earned my spartan trifecta so that was completed in, in tahoe and i just hit this wall like okay i did it i've been working up to this for like three years and was put off by a year and now here we are and then i just i was gonna take a break for at least a week anyway but then i'm i'm climbing up out of this like unmotivation kind of doldrum of wanting to get out and like i can work out but do i really want to go run do i need to go run like what am i and so i'm trying to i'm finally get kind of getting back there again where i'm like i'm excited to go run because it makes me feel good and because it helps me think clearly and because just all the holistic things that that it does so grateful to have achieved that goal um and my family support with that but this has been cross-country season so we just watched my youngest my 16 year old compete at state uh cross-country and that was in the area here in Boise so that was awesome and then my freshman in college son is uh selected by the coaches to represent his team at conferences so we're going to Klamath Falls Oregon on Thursday and then going to watch him compete on Friday um Grateful to be able to go do that and have the flexibility to do that. I told you guys a little bit about the house project that I'm going to be working on. Damage, water damage to the subfloor in the kitchen um, and the wall behind the stove and stuff. And so we're going to we're going to get into that. And um, man, I'm really just enjoying my job with Shepard and Indy. Um, we had like eight people fill out applications for fellows this last week. Like there's some things that are working and there are multiple different angles. It's not just one thing, but there's some things that are working and connections being that have been made. Now they're kind of like, it's coming to fruition a little bit. So I'm not saying that's the, like we did it, but you know, we, you got to keep working it, but it's, it's super exciting. I'm just, I'm really grateful for um, the opportunity to, to work with Jay and to work with Alan and the other folks there and I'm trying to, I'm thinking about like, how do I get over there more? Like maybe once a quarter just for relationship and strategy and, and um and stuff but life's good and work is going good my daughter's senior she's doing she's doing well in in her senior year of in northwest nazarene um but yeah besides just feeling a little fatigued even though you can't tell from i didn't get a boost from my booster shot it's an anti-boost uh i'm doing great local young adult ministry updates you want to kick us off, Kenny? Sure. Uh, I got new hosts. I've recruited new hosts to help out with Connect on Sunday mornings. Awesome. Um, there's a new young married couple. There's another young married couple that have a kid that are doing it. Yesterday, we had a conversation about, okay, we almost didn't come this morning, Kenny, because we did not have a great night. We were up every hour with our little guy here. They were all dressed as Incredibles as they were hosting the Connect table. And they're like, what happens if we can't make it sometime when we can't commit? So we had to work out like a strategy plan of like, if you're unable to make it because baby didn't have a great night, like, what do we do? I just love their commitment to it, you know, and I'm getting other people involved in it. And um, yeah, that's about it for me on updates with young adult ministry. I'm thinking of some other stuff, reading back through the chapters we're going to discuss later. I've, I've just been thinking about investment and maybe getting back to a monthly kind of time together. And I talked to a a youth pastor um, uh, at one of the local Nazarene churches, and they've kicked off a twice monthly 
Sunday night get together with young adults. It's all conversation based. And they're doing that with their, the young adults connected with, with their church. And it makes me hungry to try to do something like that with our church, but nobody's asking for it. Nobody's like desiring that they've got community they're doing. It would be in competition with other stuff. So I'm still trying to find a mentor host a meal once a month or do young adults want to get together for something once a month kind of sweet spot that's not me just trying to fabricate hype go for it jer yeah i i i was thinking there as you were talking uh, kenny because trying to figure out some of those same things of determining what is needed and needed being like what it what is helpful what is like what are people asking for and, and then also just like what is realistic within the, you know, the logistics of what's going on in the church. Uh, that's something that we're working through as we're uh, wrapping up this fall semester and getting ready for the next spring semester of some of the things that we're doing with like our weekly Bible study, that it's going well, uh, but that there are some like logistical uh, caps to it. So we currently do it on Sunday night. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to go into depth for this a little bit, where whether we want to do it here or later, I would love some advice from you guys. This is all really helpful. Thank you for the free therapy session. <laughs> That's just, I think it's, I mean, it's fun just that gets me thinking about the stuff locally too. So you're helping me think through things with me, not on our notes at all. all right, have I you segued know, into the book? I guess I have. I know okay, hold on. the you, culture corner stuff. That's fine. We totally, uh, I, I can put the culture corner stuff in, in the notes or whatever, because it's really great riveting stuff. I'll hit the pause button. You go ahead. But here's the thing is that you you did the segue last week and we actually have Jeremy with us and he is just just expert at the segue and I know he's ready for it he's always ready for it so Jeremy oh man stole the thunder oh p- putting me on the spot I Chris was doing such a, a good job there um uh, it wasn't bad but it wasn't it wasn't you Jeremy and you're here with us it wasn't it wasn't smooth well i you know yeah pointing out that i'm uh, here with you all and i think one of the important things to remember is that uh, we have young adults who are still with us who are not done yet maybe with the church and um, how can we uh, step into being bright spot churches (laughs) to to help uh, bring in and uh, activate young adults into the mission of god in our churches and that's exactly what chris was was sharing there and so I'm going to let you go ahead and get back to the wisdom that you were dropping, Chris, <laughs> as we continue uh, talking about chapter nine and 10 here in the book, Not Done Yet by Beth Severson. Uh, so, um, and I didn't want to necessarily skip over the culture corner discussions, but it just seemed like we were already kind of engaging in some of the, the pragmatic. Um, we're there, we're there. You know, discussions here about you know young adult ministry um what's a leader to do i mean that's what jeremy was that was his heart's cry i I guess i'm curious what what have what has been your reactions i sometimes read like this chapter and when she paints a picture of what it seems to me like what a lead pastor what a a senior pastor lead pastor whatever um needs to be doing 
I sometimes read this and just think, um, I mean, that's a lot to expect from a lead pastor, a senior pastor. So sometimes I try to, I guess I inject, and there have been times where she said, well, either the lead pastor or like ministry staff or something like that. Um, but it does seem like there's a pretty big emphasis on the, the lead pastor, um, you know, building relationships, spending some time with emerging adults throughout the week and things like that. How do you guys, how have you guys been reading that or taking that or thinking about that, um, that piece of, of what she's saying here? Critical? I think um, one of the things that comes to mind when I was reading that was um, not really coming to like a solid place on it, but some of the like competing uh, questions or thoughts being that that like obviously is really important, but also that there's a lot else that a lead pastor is doing regardless of the size of the church um, in terms of specifically seeking out spaces to connect with uh, unchurched uh, emerging adults. Um, that while it, that obviously is important for every church to be seeking out and wanting to build relationships and share the good news of, of Jesus with that generation, that there are people from every generation that that would apply to. But then to just say that, you know, on a church that has um, volunteer or paid associate staff to say that like, that is just their, their responsibility, you know, like for me as the college pastor, that like, I do that because that's my job responsibility um, seems uh, insufficient and also disingenuous. Um, and I think that was one of the thoughts that I had with this is how do, how do you pastors meaningfully engage in spaces um, in when, when their main title and role is pastor without it seeming um, inauthentic or like manipulative um, of like, you know, it coming across like, oh, you don't want to actually build a relationship with me. You just want me to come to your, your church. Um, where like, if we believe that our churches are great places to connect in the Christian community and the life of Christ, like, yeah, of course that's part of it. But um, how do you do that without it seeming like um, you're just trying to um, give a sales pitch? Um, and at the same time, I think with senior pastors, lead pastors, uh, for it to be um, picked up by people within the whole church, it has to be embodied in some way by uh, the senior pastor. Like a senior pastor could talk about it, but if they're not actually um, living whatever it is out in some way in terms of a priority for the church, it's going to be hard for the any of the other leaders in the church and anyone else in the church to actually pick it up. So I think there's a good point in saying that it needs to be an embodied priority uh, for the leadership. Um, how you balance that with everything else. Like it's a, it's a nice ideal. Uh, how does that, you know, flesh itself out in reality? Uh, it's probably a contextual question, but I think an important question. If you want to get to know people, it helps to be around them. I thought that was a brilliant statement. Mic uh, drop. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I read it sometimes as most churches are smaller. And if something's going to get done, the lead pastor's doing it. Yeah. 
but it feels like as I'm reading this book of hers, she's talking about larger churches, but I get to yeah. this section and this is like, this is like almost more like what a, I've met lead pastors of smaller churches and they're doing an awesome job with young adults and it's on them and they're making that happen. And, um, but I think that's really, I think it's really rare. I think it's more often where you have a staff person or you have a volunteer in the church um, that is that advocate, that is that champion that is like making sure that the conversation is happening, that's running interference for a young adult ministry. Um, that's, I read it in that role for me as I read this. And I just, I dismiss the lead pastor part because it's not that my lead pastor is not open to that or he wouldn't do that, but that's not his role. My contacts, those things aren't going to happen in my context unless um, somebody's making those things happen and making those connections and knows how to navigate the system and talk with young adults as well. Be that intermediary that they're talking about here. But when she mentions pastors like Ray Johnston at Bayside and yeah. Greg Rochelle at Life Church, yeah. and they're almost on my level, but stuff like that. Um, as thinking, a volunteer, yeah, she's talking about big churches with senior pastors, but there's no way you could expect them to. But again, to me, this is where we... Their staff can't even meet with them. I mean... <laughs> right. We sometimes... Um, I, I think we have to just be really careful not to think of young adult ministry as a program ministry like any other program ministry. And this reminds me of... I don't know if you guys listen to the podcast, the Josiah Keneally podcast, that young adult... I forget what it's called, but... Young Adult Ministry Today? Yes, he did he an interview. Wife. He and his wife did an interview with James uh, Emery White. Yeah, it was great. Wrote, that was a great Generation interview. Z. Yeah. yeah. Did you catch the part where he basically, I think he was trying to be careful not to say, but basically saying, yeah, we don't have a young adult ministry. We have a church that's really geared towards young adults. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true about a lot of these bright spot churches in general is that they're but, trying to but, create a culture that's really, really focused on, you know, 20 somethings. And I love the color. Did you catch the color code idea suggesting you should like a pastor should look at their schedule and color code all the age demographics that huh. you meet with. It'd be really interesting to see a lot of pastors color coding, like how, you know, are 80% of your meetings with people throughout the week with you know gen xers or older or you know color code your meetings your conversations throughout the week how boomers. many of those are with young adults they're meeting with yeah. boomers boomers to secure um tithing <laughs> giving uh and, and but anyway and I, earlier, I just thought that was interesting but to me the <laughs> overall point i mean yeah sorry no, I was just, it was, it was just a few sentences or paragraphs ago, but just, um, he wasn't in that podcast talking about uh, being a church of young adults or like a young adult church either. It's like, they're a church of multiple different generations. And within that, there is an intentional emphasis on young adults as a part of the overall church's vision and, and mission. Um, but it's happening on purpose and he's meeting with young adults. Like he's doing that stuff that she's talking about in here as a lead pastor. And he said something like 80% of his staff is under the age of 30 or something like that during the podcast, which I thought mm -hmm. was, I mean, that's, that's unusual. Yeah. His, his church is probably going to like be around for a while and not literally die out. 
sustainable, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about evangelism? Chapter? So they spend, she spends a little bit of time talking about evangelism. Um, and for me, this brings up, um, I can't remember if we were talking about it as a group or if this was some other conversation, but how do you approach evangelism with Gen Z when they really think evangelism is wrong? <laughs> Convincing someone else to change their beliefs is not cool. Oh, like, when it's in general, transactional, Gen Z, yeah. yeah, feels like it's not cool to try to convince someone else to believe, to take on your beliefs. Um, you know what I'm getting at? Basically, I'm seeing uh, what does evangelism look like? How does it need to change? Um, because I do agree with what she's finding in these bright spot churches is, is that evangelism um, is pretty important. I think reaching out and hoping and expecting that people come to know Christ and their lives are changed, uh, and especially emerging adults. Uh, this is an area where with my particular group of church kid type emerging, emerging adults, I wrestle with in fact, two of my last conversations have been on evangelism because I find it very difficult to convince them that they need to reach out to their friends and bring their friends to church. And what I'm finding out is most of them don't have many unchristian friends. Like they've kind of been raised in the bubble and keep perpetuating the bubble, sectarian, you know, huddle bubbles. style of Christianity. Interesting. What do you guys think about evangelism and her points or just generally with with college age folks and young adults these days? Somewhere along the line, evangelism and, and apologetics became synonymous, I think, for some people. And so it's like telling, sharing the love of Christ is about convincing people that they should believe in him instead of living in such a way that that people are curious to know what your motivation is and, and why, um, why you make the decisions you do and why you live the way that you do. Um, so to me, I mean, this is more me than, than maybe Gen Z or, or whatever, but this is, this is how I feel best in communicating with anybody of any age. It's just, it's more about a life posture than it is the words that you're saying to someone about your faith. They do go together. Um, but it's an interesting dilemma too, because it's like our, I see kids that invite friends to church, but as inviting friends to church is not the th same thing as evangelism, but those have become synonymous as well for a lot of people. Let's say the millennial. Yeah. Yeah. I, that last point you made, Kenny, that yeah, inviting people to church is not the the whole of what evangelism looks like, but for so many years, the centralized piece of the Christian faith is showing up on Sundays, and that is a great thing to do, uh, but that that doesn't inherently, uh, like showing up at one place at a particular time uh, once a week doesn't inherently make you more and more like Christ. Uh, when you're, we're being shaped uh, and molded into the images of what we surround ourselves with, the others, you know, six days out of the week, six and a half days out of the week as well. Um, 
but I think one of the interesting things that she points out, she, uh, she quotes at one point, she said, how do you follow Jesus in the small things, not just in the big one time decisions and the reminder, or I think maybe something that connects more with emerging adults of inviting people into community. And I think maybe that's where the overlap with Sunday morning is like, well, if that's the, if that's the main place where community happens, um, with like Sunday school classes or um, like times of connect um, between services before, after services uh, is a great time. It, like it, it's a good time to, to build community as well, or it could be in small groups, discipleship groups, life groups throughout the week. Um, and that in those communities, um, the conversations about life and about faith and about Jesus uh, can happen in not that evangelism, like not, not to create a, a scapegoat of like not talking about your faith, but building the relationships with people where sharing about Jesus happens along the way. Um, I think that's not often talked about in terms of evangelism um, because often some of those pockets of community are more like, oh, well, really these are for, for you once you become a Christian. And so then it becomes a part of um, discipleship. But I think about like what Alan Hirsch has talked about where um, that like evangelism is discipleship. Like we, we, def- we divide those two. He gives the example of the disciples and their life with Jesus. And he's like, at what point did they become saved? It's like, cause they spent all that time with Jesus, hearing him, sometimes getting it, sometimes not. But can we really say that they were, you know, uh, saved before everything that happened, you know, cross, uh, crucifixion, resurrection, um, and then also his ascension. Um, like at what point, like you can't really like from what we have of their stories, can't say like, this is where, um, they became, um, saved. Uh, and that while for many of us, we can kind of pinpoint to the, to the prayer, um, that there's a long, for many people, there's a long journey with Jesus. And so when we just dictate salvation or, uh, um, evangelism as just getting people to make that one uh, moment decision. Uh, it's not incorrect. It's, I think, just insufficient, uh, an insufficient picture of that whole journey. And so if we're able to help um, paint the picture for emerging adults that if, you, if, like, if Jesus has transformed your life and you want to be able to share that with others, uh, yeah, th- like there are times and places for, for that piece and component of evangelism, but there's also this, the living life together, the the journey together, like the great commission when we're called um, to go and make disciples and the nations um, like baptizing them in the name of the father, son of the Holy spirit and teaching them everything that I've taught you. Uh, the way that I've heard that uh, talked about is that teaching them everything that I've taught you, you just can't go and drive by evangelize somebody. If you're going to teach them everything that Jesus taught you that like, if we're going to be discipling and that what we're, t- what we're commanded to do and what we call the great commission, you're signing yourself up for years of relationship uh, with, with that person. Like um, whether it's on a street corner in, in a downtown area or on a campus or in a community uh, that uh, evangelism is very often just made into one, like is, is highlighted in one piece of like a bigger spectrum of following Jesus of discipleship that I think 
when we zoom out a little bit and say that this is what evangelism is and all of my hand motions are perfect for an, like an audio format um, that when we say like it is journeying uh, with people not knowing when that point might be when they surrender their whole lives to Jesus as their Lord and Savior but that all of that relationship building conversations about life and about faith and about engaging the world as a part of evangelism I think that's very often less of a a turnoff for emerging adults, young adults, um, because it doesn't seem as manipulative and sales pitchy and transactional as the more uh, just that that one piece of evangelism that it was often talked about. Yeah, one of the churches she mentioned there's a quote in there or something about encouraging their church attendees to make small incremental commitments and decisions. And I think sometimes we're, um, you know, some people can be uncomfortable with, with, you know, process sort of thinking on this, but um, because we would like for somebody to just surrender, just give it all to Jesus, just follow, you know, choose you this day whom you will serve you know whatever kind of stuff but but generally I think you know most people do make small incremental decisions and um and to me that's that's kind of the point to you know even when she talks about churches that include you know emerging adults involve them before they make any profession of faith before they know they belong yeah. or believe all the right things, um, you know, let them be a part of it and try on, you know, the faith, so to speak. Um, so anyway, I think I'm, I guess I'm, I'm getting a, a little bit more tuned into this idea and this notion that I don't have to, you know, help a 20 year old pray the prayer and make the decision, you know, right here today, but just help them take another step towards, Uh, experiencing Christ in Mm. this part of their life. Maybe just be okay with little compartmentalized wins, you know, Um, if they begin to see, and for some, this is the social justice kind of piece. Like if they can be involved in something where we're translating our faith into loving our community and loving justice and loving racial reconciliation and some of these things, they can jump into that and say, oh yeah, I, I believe this uh, experience that piece of it. And then, you know, a few months down the road, maybe they experience another piece of what it means to be Christ kind of directed and centered in their lives. So I'm, I'm really liking that. And that even the thought of evangelism as, um, you know, to me, the disciples, when they started, when they got saved, so to speak, I don't know, is when Jesus said, Hey, come follow me. And they're like, okay. Um, they obviously didn't start making all the right choices, you know, at that moment and living perfectly, but there was this sense of, yeah, I'll see what this Jesus is all, is all about. Um, so I don't know. I, I was thinking that same thing I, that Jesus said, come follow me. We're not asking people to follow us. And sometimes I, it, it sounds like that to me. And I think that I've done that. It's almost like I, I want to my get program. to know. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to get to know Jesus the way that I did. And the way that I know Jesus is the only way that I know how to share that. And so that's what I'm going to try to get you to do is the way that I came to, to, to Jesus. But our invitation, I think it's not a follow me. It's a, it's a come with us. We want to show you 
who who we're following and we'll join you where you're already at because we have an awareness that he's already there um and working in in your life and so I, I, in chapter 10 here, I really appreciated the um, expectancy theory that she kind of made a shift on from, from some other things, high invitation and high expectancy with the church. Um, I, the, the continuum of the, of all the I words, initiate, invite, include, involve, and invest. It isn't this like, well, do all the things that we told you to do, follow us, or you're out. Um, it's a high, expe- like you can be involved in as much of this as you wish. And there's always more and you can, you can take this to the, to the limit. If you want to, there's a high expect, there's a high invitation and there's a high expectancy with, within that. And people kind of get to pace themselves out and then it's not a judgment culture. Um, it's between them and God, but we get to encourage each other and, and hold each other accountable along the way. I did feel convicted about the church reciprocates high investment when we talked when she talks about the wheel of attraction, that's the one place where I really feel like locally I'm, I'm lacking is like, where there's opportunity for young adults to and volunteer and to be welcomed, but how are we investing back into them? And even though I remember I was in a meeting one time and I wanted to create this big thing and invite young adults to it. It was like a regional type thing. And I was so mad at the person that, not mad, I was frustrated. They asked this question. They went, how many young adults are asking for this? <laughs> and I hated that question, but I take it with me into everything I do now going, okay, is the thing that I'm coming up with an idea for are young adults asking for it? Are young adults asking to be invested into? I don't think on the surface maybe, but as I've, as I've gotten deeper into relationship with young adults and they're willing to share with me, wherever they're at on their journey, I do hear a, I'd really like somebody to show me how to do this really like somebody to journey with me and then and then let me go and points back to one of the articles for culture corner today about young adults in the workplace that i thought was really really good it's like uh, i don't want you to do it for me just journey with me don't leave me on my own to like figure it out like journey with me and then let me do it like trust me to trust me to do it there's a desire for mentoring and investment from young adults well have we reached our stopping point for today gentle young castamen I believe we have against the clock. Lots to think about. It's hey, if only we had like a Facebook group or something where we could kind of process some of these. Can somebody start? Can somebody engage. start that? We're way engage behind Facebook. Folks. We need a meta group. Oh, everybody jump on Facebook. Join us in the conversation. And maybe you could be one of our live you know participants here soon do we still do the live thing like we didn't have one last month i'm having a hard time getting somebody like i was gonna i don't have to keep this in the podcast so i was gonna ask you guys like should we keep doing the live thing because i don't know at, at this point i think but you know if we if someone's been reading along or have been reading it we've probably included them in the conversation uh, <laughs> our three people that we've done <laughs> And so it's either there's asking, one other one I know of, but um, and so you're, you're thinking in order for somebody then participate, we're asking them to read half the book basically to get up to speed before they just two chapters, they, just read your two chapters. Yeah, I'm taking this cherry, part out. You can cherry pick a little bit. It's really good to be with you guys, though. Hey, go forward. So until next time.
<laughs> Fail forward. Be present. And be teachable. See y'all later. Thanks, fellas. And have a happy and have a happy Diwali if you celebrate Indian holidays. Happy hey. Diwali. It's yes. Thanksgiving this month in the US too. This it is. Yeah. And yeah. It's already November. Okay. We gotta talk more, guys. Peace out, brothers and sisters. See ya. Peace.